The talk you are about to hear is by Zen teacher Sensei Amala Wrightson. <clears throat> Today is the sixth day of our spring seven day session. It's the 7th of September 2018. And uh, today we're going to take up uh, a story from The Hidden Lamp, Stories from 25 Centuries of Awakened Women, edited by Florence Kaplow and Susan Moon. We've been working our way through this uh, text uh, rather randomly since it came out about five years ago. Um, and just taking, taking up the stories um, in Taisho, in and out, in and out of uh, Sishin. And the story we're taking up today is called The Old Woman and the Pure Land. Um, although the editors uh, refer to the stories in this book as koans in their introduction, not all are. Some, some are more like teaching stories and don't all have that, that um, paradoxical element that can't be figured out by the discriminating mind which is which marks uh, koan stories. The one we're looking at um, as I say is more it's more of a teaching story It comes from Japan. Uh, we don't know uh, what the dates are for this particular story. <clears throat> here, here is it. Here it is. In China and Japan, many millions of Buddhists have been, and in Japan still are, devotees of the Pure Land doctrine. According to this doctrine, doctrine, a bodhisattva made a great vow, which in time fulfilled itself as the manifestation of the Buddha Amitabha, who created a Pure Land paradise in the West for those who would take his name with faith. From this pure land, it was easy to attain final nirvana. And here's the story proper. An old lady of this faith was walking along the road when she met a Zen master, who said to her, On your way to the pure land, eh, old granny? She nodded. Holy Amitabha's there waiting for you, I expect. She shook her head. Not there? The Buddha's not in his pure land? Where is he then? She tapped twice over her heart and went on her way. The Zen master opened his eyes wide in appreciation and said, You are a real pure lander. So we need, we need a little bit of... background information to um, get the full import of this little story. Um, the Pure Land um, is the, the most popular school of Buddhism in Japan 
and probably the most practiced in China as well. Um, and, and in China, the Pure Land teachings often coexist or are even mingled with those of Chan, Zen. Another name for, for Pure Land is uh, Buddha Field. Um, but this, this one created by the Buddha Amitabha is, is the most, is the most uh, well-known and most revered of all the, all the different um, Buddha fields that exist. And, and in the Mahayana tradition, there are countless Buddhas. If you read the sutras, there'll be descriptions of, of Buddhas and their, and their Buddha fields as, as numerous as the sands of the Ganges. So in, uh, mind-boggling sort of uh, proportions given for this. Buddhas can cr create these, these um, Buddha fields or pure lands by virtue of their, uh, their karmic merit. The name of, of um, Amitabha's uh, Buddha field, pure land, is Sukhavati, which means uh, the blissful. Uh, Sukha appears in the, in the sutras um, as the opposite of Dukkha. So it's a realm of, of joy and bliss. Created by Amitabha Buddha whose name means boundless light, Amida in Japanese. And just to give, give a bit of a flavor for what these, these Buddha lands are like, um, just give a little bit of a description. Sukhavati, um, Amitabha's Pure Land, is, is described in detail in um, three different sutras which are devoted to Amitabha. Sukhavati is set in the west. It is flooded by radiance that emanates from Amitabha. This land is filled with the most exquisite fragrances. It is blossoming, rich and fruitful. Wondrous flowers and trees of jewels grow there. There are no hells, no beasts, no corpse, no um, asuras, jealous gods, titans. Though the countryside through the countryside flow rivers of sweet-smelling waters with bouquets of flowers afloat on them. The rushing of these waters is music. Those who by their, the strength of their faith are reborn in Sukhavati awaken in a lotus flower. 
all their wishes are fulfilled. There is no sadness, misfortune, pain or any other unpleasantness. In this Buddha field, all beings cleave to the truth of the teaching until their final entry into Nirvana. Their supreme happiness is hearing the teaching proclaimed by Amitabha, who lives in the center of, of the land and is accompanied by Avalokiteshvara and uh, Maha Samtaprapta. You often see um, altars with, with Amitabha in the middle and these two bodhisattvas on either side. So you get, get, get a bit of the flavor of this. Um, and uh, perhaps understand why uh, so many millions of people might be attracted to this teaching. Um, this, this realm, in a sense, is created by Amitabha's uh, vows, vows that he made long ago as a bodhisattva. Um, There are, there are many, many vows that go up to make this, but some of them pertain to people who wish to be reborn in this realm. Um, one of his vows was that um, upon hearing his name, um, all beings in all the ten directions, if they hear his name, they will arouse bodhicitta and vow to be born in the western paradise after death. And if they if they um, f f are thinking of this at death, they're, they're longing to be reborn in this realm, um, Amitabha will appear at, as they die and um, protect them from fear that might arise in the dying process. So he, he'll, he'll be there for them when they're dying. And then um, all beings who through hearing his name have directed their minds toward rebirth in this pure land and have accordingly accumulated karmic merit will be reborn in this paradise and after rebirth in the pure land only one further rebirth will be necessary for entry into nirvana falling back is not possible retrogression so pretty pretty amazing if you can get a ticket to the to the pure land Um, it's really got, uh, and this is probably why Pure Land Buddhism is so um, popular, is that it has a simple message. Um, you don't have to be a certain kind of person. Uh, you don't have to spend eons perfecting yourself um, and becoming a Buddha. You just have to put your faith in Amitabha Buddha and tap in, in a sense, to his great love for sentient beings, his, his compassion, and these, and these great vows that he took long ago, and which came to fruition in this, in this Buddha field. Which is, is in a sense, a, um, a product of Amitabha's imagination. So it's quite extraordinary that um, millions of people should be um, practicing in order to be uh, reborn into something imaginary. But uh, if everything is mind, then maybe it's not so strange. 
um, you could understand this Pure Land as being um, kind of an aspect of enlightened consciousness. And that's really what people are, are practicing to be born into. And the practice itself um, is, is very straightforward to, um, to recite Amitabha's name. It's actually said um, in one text that I read that you just have to say his name with uh, ten times with, with devotion and then you're guaranteed to be reborn into this room. So on the surface seems quite straightforward. In, um, so, so the actual recitation in chi China it's Omitofo and uh, we found we found when we were on pilgrimage that it was um, it was used as a greeting. So you'd you'd meet some other pilgrims at some site, stupa or temple, and they would all say omitofo, and also be quite delighted if if we as as foreigners would greet them in this way omitofo. It's like having that in mind. As, as one makes pilgrimage, where everyone goes, Omitofo, Omutofo. Or in Japanese, uh, it's known that this, this recitation, this mantra is known as the Nembutsu. Um, Namu Amida Butsu. Namu Amida Butsu. Namu Amida Butsu. In Japan, um, Pure Land is. is um, sometimes contrasted with Zen. There's a whole essay by D.T. Suzuki on this. And, and the, the contrast is made between Tariki versus Jiriki. Now Tariki means the power of the other. And so the idea is that in the Pure Land you're putting all your, your faith in the power of the other, in, in Avitabha. It's he who liberates you. And all you, all you have to do is recite his name with devotion and, and put absolute trust in him. So you hand everything over to Amitabha and trust in his power. Zen, on the other hand, is characterized as jiriki, which is one's own power. In other words, the emphasis in Zen is that we can only liberate ourselves through one's own, our own efforts, our own power. Now, anybody who knows the basic teachings of Buddhism might um, have a pretty big question around this practice of um, the Pure Land because the, the, the basic, the early teachings uh, of the Buddha emphasize that no one can, can liberate you except you. The Buddha somewhere says something like, um, you yourselves must strive, Buddhas only show the way. In the Dhammapada, he, he says, we are our own protection. We are our own secure abiding. 
How could it be otherwise? So with due care we attend to ourselves. In some ways, the Pure Land uh, teaching um, seems more akin to Christianity than to Buddhism. You have this this saviour figure um, who um, can really miraculously deliver us through the power of his love for sentient beings. All we have to do, really, is is completely surrender to him. But there's this other aspect of of um, of the Pure Land teaching, which. Um, perhaps uh, gives it a bit more of another dimension than, than just simply um, leaving it all up to Amitabha. Sukhavati, um, the teaching is, is not um, a geographical location, but consists of the hope of the believers who wish to be born there. In other words, uh, it's more of a, a state of consciousness. Of course, you could also say this about about Christian Christian prayer that it, it, it um, evokes a certain state of consciousness. But in the in the light of this, we can we can go back now and and have another look at our story. So this this is an old lady walking along the road and she meets a Zen master who says to her, on your way to the pure land, eh, granny? And think we can we can sense a little uh, uh, quite a bit of condescension there in in the way he asks this and all she does is nod holy amitabha's there waiting for you i expect uh, but she shakes her head so then, he, then he's interested. Not there. The Buddha's not in his pure land. Where is he then? So perhaps just a sense of this is, is now uh, um, more of a testing question. And she taps her twice over her heart and then continues on her way. He opens his eyes wide in appreciation and says, You're a real pure lander. implication being um, she's already there she's already in Sukhavati
one of the things that's notable about this little little exchange is that um, this old woman is silent throughout. She doesn't. She doesn't. She expresses her truth. Um, she. she um, it, responds and yet um, without using any words. One way of understanding this is, is um, that her mind was silent. But also we could just take it on a more practical level and um, guess that perhaps she, she doesn't speak because she's practicing. She's silently doing the Nambutsu as she walks along the road. Namu Amida Butsu, Namu Amida Butsu, Namu Amida Butsu, Namu Amida Butsu. Remember here that the birth in the Western Paradise depends, so they say, these sutras, these three sutras, um, on two things. Reciting Amitabha's name with devotion and having absolute trust in him. And immediately here, when we look into this, it, it becomes not quite so simple. Because what is, what is devotion? True devotion. It would surely be um, to recite his name in an uh, undistracted way, without having any any ulterior motives, anything anything self-seeking in one's attitude. Devotion implies um, complete fulfilment. In other words, to to recite Namitaba's name ten times with complete wholeheartedness, giving oneself a hundred percent. In other words, becoming Namu Amida Butsu, Namu Amida Butsu, Namu Amida Butsu. having absolute trust in, in Amitabha also isn't so straightforward. To really, to really generate the faith mind that one can be liberated by Amitabha would imply surrender to this truth. Really, really believing that essentially one is not separate from Sukhavati. <coughs> so this, this, this tariki, this liberation by means of the power of the other, starts to look not so different from jiriki. 
power of one's own efforts. This old lady knows that Amitabha Buddha lives in her heart and nowhere else separate from her is no Amitabha Buddha. She knows with Master Hakuin that this earth where we stand is the pure lotus land and this very body, the body of Buddha. So, so while, while the flavour of, of the, this practice may be, may be quite different, when one goes deeply into it, um, distinctions such as tariki and jiriki, self and other, uh, begin to break down. As I said in China, the, uh, the Pure Land uh, practice is, is often done right alongside Chan practice. And in fact, um, Master Sheng Yin, the great um, Taiwanese master, um, he would give a koan to people who had been practicing Pure Land, having, having Omitofo recitation as their main practice. He would give them the koan, who is reciting Omitofo? In, in this way he was, he was able to kind of harness the devotion of um, the Pure Land practitioners and and give that that devotion an edge with the question, who is it who's reciting? How could Amitabha live in you if it wasn't that he wasn't separate from you? There's a, a case in the Mumon Khan number 14, which goes into this, taking an taking example of two other Buddhas. It's, it's um, called Who Is That Other? And it's a very short case. Hoan of Tozan said, Shaka and Maitreya are servants of another. Tell me. Who is that other? Shaka is a kind of familiar way of talking about Shakyamuni Buddha, the Buddha of our world cycle, and Maitreya is the future Buddha, presently said to be perfecting himself in the Tushta heaven. So these two are said uh, called by by Hoan of Tozan servants of another. Who do they serve? Who is that other that they serve? A commentary goes, if you can see clearly who this other is, it's like coming upon your father at the crossroads. Why should you ask someone else whether it is he or not? 
immediate recognition. And the verse, do not draw another's bow, do not ride another's horse, do not speak ill of another, do not inquire into another's affairs. We create these distinctions of, of self and other, of, of I, me and mine and not I, me or mine. When in actual fact there's no other except in our thoughts. Nicholas of Cusa, who I who, um, mentioned the other day as having uh, said, God is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. Um, he also said, and here he's, he's a, addressing God or, or Christ. He says, there is nothing outside you, but all things in you are not other than you. You teach me, Lord, how otherness, which is not in you, does not exist in itself, nor can it exist. Otherness is empty, we could say. as it doesn't have a, a fixed identity. Another way of saying this is that otherness is completely dependent on selfness. The other is the self. When, when we take up a koan, um, it, it um, will, will, will relate to the koan um, as an other and all, all our habits of mind and feeling and, uh, will, will be constellated in our work with the koan. It's one of the ways in which it is so valuable because we get to see how the, the, the shape of how we divide the indivisible up into self and other. But at a certain point we start to get an inkling of the fact that 
The other is the self. The self is the other. Mu is me. Look deeply, look deeply into the self and you discover there the other. A Swedish poet called Thomas Tranströmer who said, every person is a half open door leading to a room for everyone. And we can open that door wide and walk through it. Not only do we discover others when we look deeply into ourselves, we also discover the self when we look deeply into the other. Uh, David Hockney, a painter, was once asked why his paintings of Yorkshire landscapes that he was doing at the time had no people in them. And he replied, no, they're about the one who sees. How could there not be people in them? Every single painting was about the one who was seeing the landscape. And in a, in, a, in a sense, Hockney needed the landscape in order to be able to explore the one who sees himself. Not two, landscape and painter. Shiba Yamaro, she said, uh, the universe is a great cathedral of Satori. Each and everything in the universe is nothing else but I myself. Or Meister Eckhart, if I knew myself as intimately as I ought, I should have perfect knowledge of all creatures. We, we find as we do get greater um, self-knowledge that we will, will see other people's struggles more fully and be able to have real compassion for them because we won't see them as other. We won't judge.
Master Dogen <coughs> said, to study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be enlightened by the 10,000 things. When we, when we forget the self, things lose their um, solidity, their fixedness. It's a poem by Kabir, another of the, the great Sufi mystics. I said to the wanting creature inside me, what is this river you want to cross? There are no travelers on the river road and no road. Do you see anyone moving about, about on that bank or resting? There is no river at all and no boat and no boatman. There is no tow rope either and no one to pull it. There is no ground, no sky, no time, no bank, no ford. And there is no body and no mind. Do you believe there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty? In that great absence you will find nothing. Be strong then and enter into your own body. There you will have a solid place for your feet. Think about it carefully. Don't go off somewhere else. Kabir says this, just throw away all thoughts of imaginary things and stand firm in that which you are. No other shore that we have to cross over to. Our job is to throw away all thoughts of imaginary things, as Kabir says. All, all our notions about ourselves and about the world all our, all our ideas we have about what awakening is, what liberation is. Even, even our ideas about the Buddha.
we just become one with the process just move questioning move just what is this just the searching the questioning right there is the answer just this moment just to be fully present in this moment just to devote ourselves to the breath this inhalation this exhalation again again and again we um, hear this from the masters this we need to to die to ourself give up all our concepts and our hopes and our dreams and just disappear into the practice There's a little story um, that illustrates this. I heard many times in the in the zendo over the years of doing sashin, and some people may have um, heard it before. It's the story of the salt doll. It's a story about a little a little doll made of salt who went on a very long journey across a vast desert. And finally she arrived at the ocean, the shoreline. She'd never seen the sea before. And she she didn't know what it was. So she asked the sea, who are you? And the sea replied, I am me. And then the doll said, I don't understand, but I do want to. So the sea said, touch me. At this, the little doll ventured cautiously uh, up to the edge of the water and put her toes in and then she quite quickly pulled them out and was a bit shocked to realize that they'd vanished but where have my toes gone she asked taken aback the sea quietly replied You've given something in order to understand. Perhaps it was the tone of the sea's voice, but the doll somehow trusted what the sea was saying 
and so she ventured into the water a little farther, at each step losing more of herself, disappearing more and more, until finally a big wall of a wave engulfed her. And as the last of her completely vanished, she said, Now I know what the sea is. The sea is me. We'll stop here and recite the four vows. without number I vow to liberate endless blind passions I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha I vow to attain all beings without number, I vow to liberate endless blind passions, I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure, I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha, I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind passions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha I vow to attain. The teaching you have received is offered freely. If you would like to make a donation to support the continuation of this podcast service or learn more about practice opportunities at the Auckland Zen Centre, please visit www.aucklandzen.org dot org dot nz